Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. Hey, you know how important it is to take care of our bodies aside from fitness and nutrition. And what I mean is our skin. We try to put sunscreen on. We try to use soaps without so many harsh chemicals. Try to use deodorant without aluminum and hydration lotions without parabens. Well, you know, I always like to team up with companies that have the same values as me here in Fit Aviators Club. And it doesn't get any better than Be Jet Clean taking care of our skin before we hop on a flight, before we go work out, before we take on the day. It is absolutely fantastic. It is made here in the United States and it's actually been started by former fighter pilots and air show performers as well. So it moisturizes and conditions. It gives you shampoo. It gives you beard cream. It gives you conditioner and it gives you a healthier look at your skin. It doesn't have any dyes or artificial scents, no harsh chemicals, no parabens or sulfates, and it has essential oils for its scents. I specifically love the eucalyptus one. It makes me feel like I'm ready to take on the world when I get out of that shower. So if you want to check them out, go to bjetclean.com and use FIT15 for a 15% discount. What a crazy weekend this past weekend was, especially in the world of sports. And finally, I did finish my 737 training, so I'm super pumped for that. But with sports, we had Albert Pujols play his last game, which was, wow, like to see Albert retire, you know, that that guy is a legend. And it's I always get like this weird feeling. It's not weird, but I just get this feeling when professional athletes retire and just like everything they have accomplished, the greatness, not only off on the field, but off the field as well or off the court. And such a fantastic uh, group of athletes that are retiring this year. Not only Arbor Pujols, but possibly Nelson Cruz, Yadi Molina with Adam Wainwright, Serena Williams that retired, Roger Federer. I mean, it, it, it just all these athletes, it makes me think about when Derek Jeter retired. And it's just like, okay, well, so happy for them. Very cool. But they've been in the game for so long and have created such impacts in so many people that I couldn't help to think, but what is it going to look like next year? You know, next year is not going to be that. And the lineup is going to be different. That person that you always used to see in that same position is not there. And it's just, you know, it's it takes, obviously you get used to it, but it's just kind of like this I don't know. It's, it's I don't think it's a weird feeling, but it's just a certain feeling that I don't know how to describe and that, you know, you can't really have a same player forever in that same position. But it's um it's a remarkable thing or remarkable things that they have accomplished throughout their their career and inspired so many people on and off the field. Uh, crazy wild card games. Now that the standings for the NLDS and ALDS for the NLDS, we got the Phillies and the Braves and then Padres and Dodgers. That's going to be pretty good. And then the Guardians versus the Yanks. Let's go Yankees. And the Mariners versus the Astros. Um, it wasn't actually until not too long ago that I saw that Cleveland changed their names from 
Indians to Guardians. I had, you know, when I heard the name Guardians, I'm like, who the hell is the Guardians? And, you know, I had to kind of like look it up and see why they changed the name from Indians to Guardians. And, and I had no idea. It, you know, it had to be about, you know, the, the, the name and the mas- mascot of Cleveland that it, it was found to be a little bit offensive. And, you know, it was something, it was a, an icon that was used for, I don't know, probably a hundred years. And, um, it's just, it's just so crazy how things are changing nowadays, but uh, I'm glad that they were able to change the name to something at the beginning. You think of it like guardians, like who the hell names are team guardians, but there's actually a pretty cool story behind it. Um, there is a documentary documentary on it and it actually makes you appreciate the name a little bit more. So good for Cleveland. I mean, they're up there in the wild card. Let's see, let's see how they do. And then uh, in the world of motorsports, yes, we had the Japanese Grand Prix, and Max Verstappen was crowned champion. Um, you know, it's always a little bit odd to see a, a race car champion for Formula One being crowned champion before the season ends. So there's still, I think, four more races, and um, just because he had that much amount of points, he there's nobody's really going to be able to catch up to him and beat him in four races with the amount of points that he has. So it's kind of cool. Nothing like compared to last year. That was absolutely insane. Um, I think everybody in the world who was watching it was on the edge of their seats, probably on the edge of their toes. Uh, but yeah, this year it wasn't much like that. I was actually hoping that Ferrari would, you know, have some better strategies in the second half and just give Red Bull a little bit more competition. But uh, hopefully next year we'll see we'll see something happen. I mean, so much talent in Ferrari with their drivers, I think hopefully with the management and their strategists, um, they can line that up and, and have a more successful season uh, for the remainder of the races and for next year. But Red Bull actually got caught by spending a little bit too much money on the on their design of their car or whatever it is that, but they all, all the teams have a certain amount of money that they can spend. And Red Bull surpassed this cap of, of budget. So they're actually getting investigated right now. We'll see if Max Verstappen gets to keep his world title. If not, they're going to take out some points. Who knows how many points because they're obviously caught like more towards the end of the season. So what if they take a, a certain amount of points away per race? Um, that could possibly change the whole dynamic. I think it'll be nuts if it does, because it <laughs> you just never know. After last year's stunt with Lewis and Max, that the way it, it ended last year was very not f- fair, I would say. Um, so, but it kept it all very interesting. You should have seen how many extra views Formula One got because of the way the season ended. I mean, it was down to the last lap. Who knows if this whole budget thing and and they get points to, and Rebel gets points taken off could bring the 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 match a little bit closer, you know, the the points in between the drivers make it a little bit closer even though Max is like absolutely insanely ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, the kid is fierce. He's a great talented driver. He's actually I've grown to like him a little bit more this year. Um, I didn't really like his attitude last year, and that's one one of the main reasons why I don't root for him. Um, and I just think the Red Bull team sometimes complains a little bit too much, but they all do, you know. Um, so 
Max has been growing on me. I think I, I, I do like him a lot more this year, the way he carries himself, the way he, he talks um, after the, the races. And he just show a little bit more maturity, I think. But it's also, I think, because he has a weight off his shoulders of just getting that title last year. You could tell he looks more relaxed. He's Last year, it was, it was so tense. I mean, not, not only the rivalry between him and Lewis last year, but just in everything. It was so tense. Like, he needed, absolutely needed to get, you know, first place and if not like everything would go to shit and it was he would just be like super upset obviously it's upsetting especially as a competitive person but you take a look at uh, at other people and how they deal with that they deal it they'll deal with it off the camera um sometimes you can see max's you know frustrations and reactions on the camera and it's mm, sometimes it's not the best thing to portray out there for everybody that's looking up to him so so, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Red Bull in Formula One. So, here we go getting into our topic today, and it is about meal prepping, nutrition, what to do, how to do it, how to get all your food, best ways to cook them, best ways to pack them, some recipes, and what kind of foods will be able to last you the longest for perhaps a three- or four-day trip. So here we go. First, let's start off with the pros. There aren't any cons for meal prep, except that if you don't like cooking, that might be a con. And if you don't like carrying extra luggage with your meals, that might be a con as well. But the pros 100% supersede those two cons. The first pro is quality and quantity of food that you are consuming and taking with you on the trips. Also the freshness. So you now you, by you getting your own groceries and meal prepping and taking that, you're consuming less um, preservatives that you find that, that you find in food typically when you go eat at, at an airport or on a layover or anything like that, that you are just more susceptible of getting preservatives in your, in your food. That's just how it goes. Always eating about always eating what's coming from home rather than out is going to be a whole lot better and meal prep your stuff well okay get some good quality food and that's going to make probably the biggest difference in your lifestyle it's also more cost effective if you like i, I don't know if you guys saw my instagram video that i that i did a few uh, a week ago but during training i spent $130 within 10 days and that $130 was on groceries. Now, if you take that amount per day, it's about $13 a day, which realistically, that's one meal in a day for $13. And for the amount of groceries that I got, I was able to eat three meals per day with that, along with some snacks. Fortunately, in my hotel room, I did have a kitchen, so I was able to cook. So that's good. Not only um, is it more cost-effective, but it builds discipline. And it can actually lead to quality of time with your significant other or your kids. Um, I remember when I was younger, one of the things that led me to the discipline of cooking was my great aunt would visit us from Venezuela. You know, she would be cooking and, and I was watching this show in where there was sports and also cooking at the same time and how some athletes cooked. 
And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Obviously, I'm so into the sports thing that I asked my great aunt, hey, can you teach me how to cook? And there I was able to spend some quality time with her. Jess and I spend actually great quality time meal prepping together. Um, we'll just have music, you know, going on in the background, maybe sometimes having a drink or two or just, you know, being able to talk about things while we're doing our meal prepping, which we both enjoy. Um, and we don't do anything gourmet or fancy like that, which sometimes we don't have time. But the whole point is that you are doing something that's going to give you more fresh food and, and you can control the quality and the quantity of that. And it also, you know, if you do have extra time, it can also increase your creativity. So you're, there's so many meal prepping pros that, that, that it's honestly not worth it to not do it. So I think that, you know, you can increase creativity with meal prepping because let's say you get bored of just cooking the same thing. Well, you're going to want to be curious about how else can you make it taste good or what if I do this and what if I do that? And then you start creating and getting more creative with your meal preps and the way you prep and what you take and see what works for you and what doesn't. So I, I absolutely love the meal prepping. Now, there's a couple different methods that you can do. I'll go over the the four or five main ones and we'll uh, we'll tackle each one more individually with more detail. You have the stovetop, the oven, uh, the grill, and the instant pot. Now I, I like to use a food thermometer just to make sure that my food is properly cooked. I don't want to overcook my food. I don't want to undercook it. So with time and temp, it is the best way to be able to cook. I used to eyeball, okay, all my cooking. It came out okay. It came out decent. But when you actually start applying the time and the temperature and you use a food thermometer, you now start getting more creative. You get more disciplined in creating meals that you actually like. So the stovetop, let's talk about that one first. Uh, the stovetop, I used to cook a lot of things in the stovetop to take on my meal preps. The only downside with that is that one, well, there's a couple actually. The first one is that it takes a lot longer and you're going to have about four different stovetops going on at once, trying to manage to cook four different things all at once. And you really need to pay a lot of attention to what you're doing. Also, the other thing is that when you cook in the stovetop, I like to cook from with medium heat at the most. I don't really like to cook with high heat because then it dries out the food and it just, it tastes like, I don't really like the taste of it when it goes, when you make it cold and take it on your trips. So when you cook with medium heat, that tends to th leave things juicy. That's, that's good. It only works great for proteins. But when you do that with vegetables, it's going to create the vegetables to be able to get watered out. There's specific vegetables that are, contain a lot of water and you don't want those to start creating like a pool of vegetable water while you're taking that on your meal preps because that can lead to your food getting spoiled. So there are certain things that I cook in the stovetop and certain things that I don't. And we'll get into that a little bit later. The oven. Now there's convention and convection. You have the conventional oven where it's, you know, it's radiated heat from the top and it just gets heated in the oven like your typical normal oven. Then you also have convection oven, which is literally heat and a fan, and it passes, and all this heat is passed through the whole amount of food that you are cooking more like evenly. Um, so it's it cooks a little bit 
I believe it's with like a little bit less heat, but the fan is blowing all that and it's dispersing that energy, that heat through the food a lot more in a, in a different displacement. And it actually changes the way your food tastes, not tastes, but the texture of it and how long or how, how uh, high you can cook this, this food at. So take into account what kind of oven do you have and what you prefer. There are things where I like using convection and likes in other things where you where I use the regular conventional oven. Uh, the grill is by far my favorite to do meal preps in. One, I have a charcoal grill and everything that I cook in there tastes amazing. There's not to me there's no better taste than cooking in the grill and taking that on your meal preps. I mean it's it's I can't describe it. I can't really describe it into words, but it is that much better. But you can also grill a lot of things at once. Two, you can do this in a, you know how I said you can spend quality time with certain people. Well, you could do this as a family or if you're doing a cookout, throwing a couple more things in that grill and take it for your meal prep. Uh, every time that I have some of my friends over, we're all, you know, having a great time, having a couple beers, having a couple drinks, and then I'm usually making something in the grill and then I'll throw in extra stuff for my meal preps that I'm gonna have in two days or whatever that I'm gonna go fly. And then finally, we have the Instant Pot. The Instant Pot is one of the greatest inventions ever because it, it's a, a combination between a slow, cook, slow cooker and a pressure cooker. And that is awesome because it's, you don't have to worry about taking care of this food. Obviously, there's presets and the amount of times and the heat that you can manipulate and, and make certain parameters on your Instant Pot. But the way cooking is such a science is you know, you're, you're getting heat within pressure and that's going to cook a certain way. You add a certain amount of water in there and that's going to cook a different way. So it's, it, there's recipes for all of these things, but it literally takes time off your hands or it gives you more time actually, and takes the work off your hands and the instant pot does it all. Anything from like chicken to our legumes to all that stuff. We, we, do it in the Instant Pot sometimes, depending on what we're feeling, right? We're going to have different um, textures and different uh, way that the food comes out when we cook it in the oven versus cooking in the Instant Pot. It's just, hey, what do we feel like doing? I feel like having chicken that's going to be a little bit more shredded, easy to shred. That's awesome. Let's put that in the Instant Pot. Great. I want to have chicken that's going to be a little bit more baked. I like that texture. This is what I'm feeling this week. I'm going to use the oven. So it's really a preference. It's really up to you. But, you know, it, you might be listening to all this and be like, oh, shit. Well, which one do I choose? Like, there's so many. Just try each one. You know, through the five years that I've been in the airlines, I've done all of these. And it really all comes down to, okay, well, now I got a great toolbox for meal prepping. Uh, and, and I have a variety in which methods I want to use to be able to cook. So it is fantastic. I would recommend using them all. So for recipes that I mentioned earlier, I don't really follow any recipes. I kind of do just my own, like how I, I how I used to eyeball cooking. I just do my own recipes. Uh, I try to keep it very simple, very basic, just with salt and pepper and garlic. And that's that's pretty much all I use with almost all my foods. What I do do is I do look up times for cooking certain foods in a certain way. I do suggest look up those cook times with temperatures and get yourself a food thermometer because you don't want to undercook something. You want, yeah, you want 
whatever you're going to cook to be a little bit juicy, right? With the proteins. You want you don't want your chicken to be super dry when you go eat it. Nobody wants nobody enjoys that. Or maybe some people do. There's a little bit of something for everybody <laughs> in this world, but I certainly do not enjoy dry chicken. And I liked my chicken to be a little bit juicy, so I I like to get it as close as possible to that temperature of 165 Fahrenheit to be able to be like, okay, my chicken is cooked thoroughly and it's not overcooked, but it's still nice and juicy. So I have a certain time and temperature for when I put the chicken in the oven. That's just an example. So the way that we pack our foods is a little bit crucial because this is going to determine the amount of food that you can take. This is going to determine the, the, quality of your food throughout the trip and determine if your food is not going to go bad. So originally what I did was I used to pack glass containers and I used to put the meal already in the glass container. So all I would do is go to a microwave, heat up the glass container, and then eat the meal out of there. That was like six glass containers in a, in a cooler and plus all my other food I literally carry around like a 30 pound cooler and I was commuting at the time and I actually did this for a whole year until I kind of came across the other method, which is, well, how can I take more food? How can I make it more efficient so that I don't have to eat out so much or at least twice, once or twice a day? And I got the idea from so many people that follow me on, on Instagram and just chit-chatting with some people and they, they use Ziploc bags. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But I don't want to give myself extra work and have to take out the food from the Ziploc bag, put it in the container, heat it. It's really not that bad. I've been doing it for like three years now and it really takes you an extra minute, which is, n I mean, if you're ever in a hurry in a minute, like it's not that serious, you know, to, to, to do that with your food. So I now use silicone bags. I pack a whole ton of more food. I pack each macronutrient in a bag. So all the vegetables go in one, all the proteins go in the other, all the legumes go in the other and great. So all I have to do is I carry one glass container and I dump in a little bit from each bag until I have my container full or for the amount that I, that I'm going to eat. And then I heat it and then that's it. You're good to go. Now, Proper planning allows you to be able to do this without having to rush. So sometimes, even if as much as we plan, we can't sometimes can't get it done. Hey, it's all right. But for the majority of the time, if you can't plan it to where you're going to have your food already going, you just heat it. You're good. So not only do I just use silicone bags and the glass in one glass container, but I also have a headache bag, which I, you can get it all, get one off Amazon. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It was like, you know, those, those blue bags that you can fill up with water, put it in the freezer, close it with a cap and you put it on your head. Okay. That I use that. And every single time that I'm going to use it, I put in some water, I freeze it, I leave it frozen and it lasts the entire day in the cooler. Like if you have a 12, 13 hour duty day, or even a 15 hour duty day, your food is going to stay cool enough for it to not go bad, which is awesome. Also, it doesn't have any spills or, or any leaks, so that's very convenient. And it creates an, a, a ton of space in your bag to be able to carry that much more food. 
So that's what I do now. And I absolutely love it. I think it's being, it, it has all, it has helped me for sure be able to get more of my nutrition requirements. There was a point in my career where I was feeling very tired in all my flights. My workouts were good. I thought my nutrition was good and I was getting good sleep, but I always felt tired. And it, it just happened to be that I was under eating. I didn't, I wasn't doing it purposely, but I just thought that what I was taking was enough. And it just seems that like my body was burning a whole lot more. The reason how I came across this is because one, I looked at my Garmin and I was like, okay, well, how many calories am I burning? Okay, great. I'm looking at like 2,800 to 3,000 calories burned daily. And then I look at, I don't really count my macros, but then Jess tells me, she's like, there's no way you're eating that much food, like from what you're packing. And so I was like, shoot, you're probably right. This is probably why I'm feeling so tired all the time. And when I was able to take more food, I immediately started feeling a whole lot better throughout the day. Energy levels were maintained and that was it. So sometimes, when, uh, another point here, sometimes even if you are an expert in something, you may not be aware of something that you're doing. You th may think you're doing it right until somebody else points out, hey, you might, you might want to try this because it doesn't look like X, Y, and Z. Take that into consideration. They may or may not be right, but at least if you take it into consideration, it could spin things around for the good, in which in this case, it did. So by combining the silicone bags, with the ice bag, with the one glass container, I can take more food, my food stays fresh, and that all sounds great. But now we have to get into the methods of what kinds of food to take and how to cook them. And I'm gonna start off with, if you prep everything in the oven, even if, if you roast vegetables, even the watery ones, will not water down when you pack them in those silicone bags. So that is the huge advantage of cooking in the oven. It's something that you're not gonna get in the stovetop, not gonna get in the Instant Pot. In the grill, if you cook uh, uh, the vegetables inside like aluminum, it's still gonna be watered. Like no matter how, like you're gonna have to burn those vegetables for it not to water down. But the oven does a fantastic job when you roast them. So I highly recommend that and you're gonna have great vegetables for your whole three or four day trip. So proteins, depending on if you, you know, if you eat animal protein or just plant protein, I eat a combination of both. Um, so with the chicken, the steak and the fish and eggs, the chicken, it's good to cook either roasted in the stovetop or in the, um, in the instant pot. It's gonna last you uh, uh, guaranteed four days without it going bad. All right, if it goes bad, it's probably because you may have undercooked it. And every time that I say that it's going to last the three or four days, I mean that it is properly cooled for the entire time using that ice bag, put it in the fridge when you get to the hotel. If you don't have a fridge when you get to the hotel, there are some tips and tricks on my website at fitaviatorsclub.com that you could do with ice from the hotel in your sink. It sounds, at the beginning it sounds gross, but I promise you it's not. So go take a, a read at that and um, you'll be able to see what I do in times that I don't have a fridge at the hotel. But as long as you are properly cooling the food and cooking it, or sorry, heating it when you're going to go eat it, it's going to last you, all right? The steak. The steak, you know, depending on how you cook it, I'd 
when if I'm going to take it somewhere, I, I probably won't cook it as rare. I love rare steak, but I won't cook it that rare if I'm going to take it somewhere. And I would probably all eat it within the first two days because I kind of don't like the way that steak is tasting on the third or fourth day. And also it kind of hits my stomach a little hard after it's it's been, um, you know, four days, three or four days old. So strategically, if you want to plan, you could do two first two days steak, second two days chicken. And that would be a great method of doing that. Then fish. I highly recommend that if you are going to take fish, remember the, the, the amount of heat for cooking fish is not as high as steak and chicken or may, or it might be, I can't remember. I think it might be 125. I'm not sure. Um, even though I would take fish, I would not eat it past the second day. Like if, if Day one, I'm definitely trying to trying to get going to try to eat that fish. Day two, day three, and day four, either the steak or chicken. I mean, if you want to bring all three, great. If you want to bring just two, fish and chicken, that's great. Also, I try to stay a, a little bit less. I've been trying to eat less meat. Obviously, you know the effects that it it, it does to you. Um, so, I've been sticking more with fish and, and uh, chicken, and then boiled eggs actually give great variety for a great snack because you can have boiled eggs with like mustard. I think that tastes great, but you can also have boiled eggs with hummus. That shit is so good. I whip out boiled eggs. If you cook it properly, if you don't undercook it, it does not smell. And if you heat it, uh, sorry, if you, if you keep it cold long enough before you take it, they do not smell. So I keep it in the shell and then I open the shell up when either like in flight or in the flight deck before, you know, the passengers are getting on and I whip out the hummus and then everybody's like, oh, damn, dude, that looks good. And hell yeah, it's good because it's one, you're getting protein and fat and then from the from the egg and then two, you're getting a little bit of carbohydrate there from the hummus and it tastes great. You want to add a little bit of hot sauce on that? Be my guest. It's really, really good. So highly recommend eggs for uh, some snacks on the flight deck. So for proteins of plant, mostly legumes in which they're found in, those last a really long time. Depending, you know, you, you cook legumes in a certain way, you know, you wait until their texture is kind of soft, not too, too soft, but if you can, if you want, they usually last a really long time. So legumes are great because they offer a different kind of, they offer protein in which you don't have to eat it through animal, but they don't carry all the essential proteins. So you do need to mix those legumes with some with another kind of plant protein to be able to kind of complete the whole essential proteins uh, consumption that you that you would be missing out. What I usually like to do is I'll, I'll combine like see I don't have to worry about that because I do he- eat animal, but if I didn't, rice and beans would be a good combination of being able to get your complete proteins but keep in mind that is a shit ton of carbs per protein ratio so you might you you just want to consider the quantity in rice and beans that you're going to have um i'm not saying it's bad if you have if you have the right quantity but people tend to overeat the rice and beans don't get me wrong, you're getting the right amount of proteins in, but just think about how much carbohydrates are in there 
um, and based on, on your lifestyle uh, as well. For the vegetables, how I mentioned earlier, try to avoid getting vegetables wet. And the way we do that is by roasting them in the oven. You will, you will be good to go for all four days. Fruits, those are a big hit or miss. If you don't, I'll give you a little tip on how to make your fruits last a little bit longer. Bananas, you don't want to take them unpeeled. You want to take them peeled and try to consume it within the first two days. The thing about bananas is that if, if you keep them in your cooler while it's cool in there with that ice, they're going to get bad sooner. All right, so I try to keep them room temp um, and I'll probably use sometimes put them in my suitcase or, or in my flight bag, somewhere where it's not going to get that kind of cold. Strawberries, here's what I do with strawberries. And this is really gonna help with how long it's gonna last you for this meal prep. I cut this, I cut, I wash the strawberries and then I cut the tops off. I cut them into, you know, halves. And then I take paper towels and dry, I pat dry the strawberries and then I put them in the silicone bag. That is going to prevent the, the fruit, the strawberries from seeping their liquid or their water and damaging the rest of the food that you're gonna, or the rest of the fruits that you're gonna have in that same bag. Because I'm also gonna pack in there some grapes and I also wash them and pat them dry before I put them in. You always wanna avoid moisture getting like in a bag, right? You're, you're putting food in there, you're sealing that silicone bag and if there's moisture in there, yeah, of course, it's gonna start getting bad. You're gonna start getting mold. I mean, maybe not mold, but as things are gonna start getting soggy and possibly by the fourth day, it's gonna smell a little, a little weird. It's probably gonna start fermenting. So you wanna just try to avoid the humidity inside those bags. The avocados, I keep the avocados in, in, in its uh, shell and I don't cut it until I'm gonna eat it that day. If you don't want to eat the whole thing, if you wanna eat half, you're gonna see that like a little bit, you're gonna start getting like a little bit of this orange. That just means that like oxidation is taking place in the in the avocado. It's It doesn't mean it's going bad, it's, it's not bad. You can actually save the other half for later if you wanna eat it or even the next day. Just keep it keep it at a cool temperature and it'll be it'll be just fine. So if you do this for the majority of the fruits, it will, guaranteed that you are going to have a lot longer lasting um, in your silicone bags than if you didn't pat them dry. You can actually do the same method if you are taking um, spinach or lettuce or anything like that. You just pat down dry the lettuce, you you wash it, or you, your spinach or whatever, you wash it, you pat it dry, you let it air dry as well, and then you put it in the bag or in the glass container. As long as it's sealed shut, and it, no humidity is going to get in there, it's going to last you all four days as well. So those are some pretty cool tips, I guess, to implement in your meal prepping and your uh, packing for your for your trips. Another cool thing that I like to do is, and I don't do this often, I, I probably will start doing it a lot more, is overnight oats. And those are Awesome. I love overnight oats because you could get, get to customize it the way that you want to. I usually use water. I don't use milk so that I can last a little bit longer. Um, and I try to also keep it with uh, lower amounts of fruits because those, since there's water in there already and the fruits, it can start fermenting. So you want to kind of avoid that. But I usually take two and I'll probably eat it within the first two days. Um, and I use 
just mason jars. I put in some oats. I put in a little bit of some water until it covers the top. I'll drop in there some peanut butter, some chia seeds, and then I'll drop in there some, I'll put the fruits at the top. And then I'll drop in there some uh, strawberries and possibly either pineapples or some kiwis or some bananas. So all depending on what I'm feeling, you can take and make those overnight oats any way you want. They are awesome. And it's just a, such a great thing to have as your first meal of the day, uh, you know, before you go fly or while, while you're in the airplane. I think it's just awesome. Let's talk about some additional items that I take that I don't prep. Uh, that I just take right from like the way they are from the store into my bag. And one is hummus. I think that's a great addition to a lot of the things that you're going to be eating. You can always add hummus. It's a healthy way to get some carbohydrates and also some plant protein. They make hummus of so many different things now. So the tasting is up to your liking. I love hummus. So I kind of use that on almost everything. It's really, really good. Peanut butter. Now, I try to get the healthiest version of peanut butters. Sometimes it's hard to avoid um, getting some peanut butter that has a little bit of sugar in it. So I try to keep the sugar content low within the peanut butters. But hey, sometimes it is what it is. If you see a peanut butter at the hotel and you ran out of yours and you have a jiffy peanut butter, it's okay. You know, go get some healthy peanut butter later on when you go home and you have some time. It's not that bad. But if you're eating jiffy all the time, then yeah, maybe there's a little bit of too much sugar in some of those and you could probably find a peanut butter that's a little bit healthier. So that's what I kind of try to do. I love adding peanut butter to absolutely everything. It actually, even for me, it's my um, my like sweet tooth that I that I just, I, I have some of that and I'm good to go for my sweet tooth. Like I had my sweet, that's that's really, really why, why I like to have it too. But it's also got great protein, some great fat. So it's, be, it's very beneficial. It's better than having a candy bar to, to fill your, your sweet need. Um, protein and energy bars, I sometimes take those. I don't really like to use protein or energy bars because there is so much shit in those things sometimes that if you're not careful reading the, the back on the ingredients and labels and, you know, they'll be like, yeah, it has zero sugars, but it has like 12 or 15 grams of added sugar and you look at well what's that sugar coming in and then you see it's like some sugar alcohol and i'm like well shit i don't want that either you know to me if something tastes sweet and it says zero sugar unless the sugar is i mean yeah it's got to be sugar alcohol most of the time so i don't want that kind of stuff in my body uh sugar alcohol your body doesn't really know how to digest that regular sugar your body knows how to digest that and use it for energy so yeah, I, I keep it and it's not bad to have sugar as long as the amount is controlled and you have moderation on it. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, it's okay to eat sugar. So eat as much as you want because you're going to use it for energy. Absolutely not. Some of it is going to get stored. And some of it is going to do damage to you. Um, and it's also the way your cells replicate the fastest is with simple carbs, which are sugar. So yes, that is their first use of energy. Um, so limiting the amount of sugar is important, but I'm also not going to put sugar alcohol in my body either. So again, the, the, the decision's up to you. I'm not a nutritionist or a registered dietitian. That's just what I like to do with my life and, uh, in my lifestyle. So another cool thing that I like to take with me is I started just doing this recently is instant coffee because sometimes the coffee at hotels, they're not that great, you know, for a lack of a better word. Um, and I like to be able to have the good quality cup of coffee to start my day 
or in the middle of my day. I mean, to, for me, just smelling good coffee, I'm already like, all right, let's go. I'm a, I can take on any challenge. So I like bringing that. And finally is you take, I like to bring some peanuts or almonds or anything that is that is a nut, but the, the ones that are pri primarily the healthiest. And what I mean the healthiest is that they have a good ratio of fat and protein. For example, like pistachios have a really good fat to protein ratio. Almonds have a great fat to protein ratio. <clears throat> the ones that don't are peanuts. It's just like, okay, well, you're just consuming there a lot of fat, which is fine. And they taste great too. But if I'm going to get a little bit of additional of something, if I'm going to get protein with the fat, I'd rather get that than just the fat, you know? Um, and that's just for me because I, I consume too much energy. And if I can get more of something in, in a food, I will. Obviously, in, in a healthy way, um, you know, but if it, like I said, if I have the chance to get protein in a fat, which is usually in almost every pro animal protein, there is a fat or in nuts, then I, I will do it rather than just having peanuts. I'd rather have almonds or pistachios. Yeah, they are a little bit more expensive than like regular peanuts, but there's a, there's probably a reason why it's been a beneficial to me, at least for me to consume that, but your choice at the end of the day. So look, th there's so many different ways to meal prep. There's so many different methods. There's so many different things to pack. Uh, and there's so many different lifestyles that you can have. And look, meal prepping is absolutely one of the best ways to keep your health and fitness on the road. But that doesn't mean just because you meal prep that you are going to neglect everything that there is fun to do when you're on your layovers. With meal prepping, yes, absolutely. You get the best quality and quantity of food. As long as you shop healthy, you're going to have that and you, that gets transferred onto your trips as you go with the methods that I just described to you on cooking and what foods to take and how to take them. You're going to have, you're going to see great results. You're going to see an increase, not only in your fitness, but also in your energy levels and your quality of life. That's going to change your mood. It's going to change emotions and it's going to be, it's just fantastic. The pros outweigh the cons and the cons only of meal prepping are just that you're, you're going to carry an extra bag and then you're going to have to cook and it's really not that hard to overcome. So, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't neglect what you're going to do with your crew. If your crew is like down to do something on a long layover and you guys are going to go to an, a restaurant. Awesome. Go have fun. You don't have to eat that meal prep that you made. It's going to last you. Don't worry. If you use those methods, it's going to last you. It'll be fine. But you also want to enjoy part of your lifestyle. You want to enjoy part of, you know, why going on layovers is fun. You want to enjoy tasting different things from different places so that you can also grow and step out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. Always try to make a healthy choice. And sometimes if you don't, it's okay. But for the majority of the time, try to. And I think that's one of those things that the little by little, the smaller steps that you take, it's obviously going to lead you to the end goal and that is to make this a lifestyle of just choosing to eat healthier all the time and enjoy yourselves when you want to as well. And it's a great combination. It's a great lifestyle. You're going to enjoy your lifestyle in aviation a whole lot more if you do it this way because you're balancing great health and you're balancing having fun. And when you can do that properly, you are going to have a fantastic lifestyle and career.